Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. Father, you're so faithful to us. Lord, we thank you that you're never impatient with us. As we look to your word and we see things that um, we know we're born again, we know we're on our way to heaven, but then there are areas where we see we just got to grow. But that never comes with condemnation. It always comes with conviction, a convincing of your goodness to us. You're not pointing it out or disciplining us because you want to hurt us necessarily. That's not the issue. But you see what sin will do, how it will hurt our lives. And so lovingly, you point us in the direction of truth. You, you renew our thinking to the reality of your nature within us because we're in a new covenant where your resurrection graces live within us. We're not like those under the old covenant. We're different. We're born again. We have new spirits, spirits that contain the very power that raised Christ from the dead. And we're so grateful for that. And so, Lord, I ask, and, and I already have, but I ask again, and I receive by faith, and, Lord, I'm believing you to speak the words that you want me to speak. Lord, and not just that, but in the way, as the Scripture says in Colossians, seasoned with salt, seasoned in such a way, Lord, that your words through me as your vessel will have the impact you desire upon the hearers. And Lord, that's our goal. That's our purpose. That's my heart's desire. And I know it's your heart's desire. So we agree together concerning these things that we ask and we believe we receive them in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse number one, and then we'll, we will get over to Mark chapter 10 today. <laughs> Last week, I don't, I mean, I guess I was just skating along. I wish I could explain it sometimes, what happens, but I, I really, I don't know how to put it into words um, exactly, but you can, it's almost like <clears throat> with any minister, and especially if you've done it for a while, it's almost like you have an established path, established paths in the spirit, and you know, how many have ever, you have a place you like to walk or hike, and you know what's coming around the corner, like, you know where you're going, right? Well, it's the same with ministry gifts. We have graces and areas where we can walk out into things, and, and uh, there's such access. Uh, and it's not because we're special. You guys realize that, right? It's because he wants to minister to the people. That's why it is. You know, we should honor the gifts and, the, and all of that, but um, because that's, of course, biblical, and we, we shouldn't make light of any of that. But the reason why even ministers that are, that, you know, it comes out, they're living in sin, you know, they stole money and ran off with the secretary and got married and they live in Mexico now, you know, on some, <laughs> you know, but yet people will go, but, but God spoke to me through them. Yeah, not because of them, because God loves you. So don't let that stuff bug you. I mean, pray for him. Yeah, go on. Obviously, you know, you can't. It's tough to trust the ministry, you know, but, 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 and God can restore those things, but you understand what I'm saying. 
It's because he loves you. That's why ministers can say what they say. Well, but the longer, it's like you. Uh, um, it's like you and your profession that God has called you to the the world that you live in. You should. It should be getting uh, more natural to you. If you're in whatever you're in, it should become more and more natural to you. To where people almost look at you and go, "Is this hard at all for you?" And the answer is no. You know, uh, I, it used to be hard for me to preach. It's not. Put the word in you and study for 30 years. And then get up and wonder if there's anything to draw off of. Right? And the, the wonderful thing about it is, and that's not an arrogant thing at all. Um, what it is, is the hull of the ship is full of the seed. Right? So that's the way we're all supposed to be, though. Now, not just me. Now, you, you may not be called. Most people are not called to stand in front of a group of people and minister like this. They're just not. Most believers are not. The reason why is because that's not God's need. God's need is that his people be where they are to minister to who's around them and to bring them into the sheepfold. That's the purpose, right? That's the goal. Um, and so many times... Uh, you know, uh, believers treat, um, you know, uh, the word of God uh, like, like, in, like, you know, somebody's going to dig it up out of them in an archaeological dig someday. In other words, they don't just, they don't invite their enemies to the table that they're at. Does that make sense? So, so, but you're supposed to, you know, uh, well, my, nobody will listen to me at my work. They don't have to. You can pray for them, and eventually the Lord will open them up. Stop trying to preach and start, start loving them and praying for them. They'll open up. You'll get your opportunity to minister to them. Use your positions of authority and your money to win souls. You're not a business owner and rich, so you can do what you want. See, I told you we'd get to Mark 10. It's so that you can do what he wants. Did you know that, and I'm going to hit this today in the main service, but our families don't come before God? They don't? Now, I'm going to qualify all of that, okay? Because the Lord is also not destroying families, right? But uh, we sometimes destroy things because we actually put things in front of God. We actually, many times, I'm going to say this for myself, but I've seen it too. We put the blessings of God in front of God. We rank them higher than him. Mike has said it to me like this. For years, we've talked about this. But uh, he, the statement is, we seek his hand, not his face. I have a need. Well, he'll meet your need. You know, the Lord's really good. Like, even if you reject him, he'll still bless you. Now, you won't, the capacity for the blessing won't be as great as it could be because, um, not because God can't, doesn't have the ability to do it, it's that we don't have the capacity to contain it. This is why, oh, thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer. This is why we don't walk in greater levels of the graces or the anointing that we have. 
It's because the capacity to contain things is based on the character of the structure. So watch, if I have a container, like a vase or something like that, um, and I want to fill it to the full, but the character of the vase can't contain what it's built for. So if I dump a, a liquid in there or put a, something like a powder or something like that, but there's flaws in the character of the vase, what will the vase do? It can't hold, so it crumbles under the pressure of what it should be able to hold. Does that make sense? So when that happens... Then the Lord puts it all back together. But once we get the character issues fixed within the container, it's not that the container is throwaway. So we can't, don't think that way. Stop it. Ah, I bind religious spirits in Jesus' name. Now, I can't do this in your thinking. If you were raised in a religious thinking of, well, I sinned, it's over. You've got to attack that. Guys, I don't think anybody's done more in here than me. And that's why <laughs> Ryan's like, I could compete, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go down that path, but, and I understand what you're saying. I, I just, it, it, I know why Paul said I was, I'm the chief of, or I was the chief of sinners. Have you murdered anybody recently? <laughs> now, I don't want to compare sin because all sin is worthy of death. It's worthy of hell. But we do need to weigh it against the blood. We need to have that place where we're, we're assessing the value and the strength of two things. My sin versus his righteousness. The condition was me choosing one or the other. Choosing, am I my redeemer or is the Lord my redeemer? Now, it takes some time, and it's proven out for me, and it continues to be this way. It takes time to develop, and that's the part that many believers lose sight of. They get impatient. I got impatient. I go, Lord, I'm going to, you know, I graduated uh, Rama in 1999, and we had, you know, all these graduation parties and stuff, and, you know, I had this idea of what I was going to do in ministry, and, uh, and so, and I was, I was not wrong in what I was saying, but boy, the timing, <laughs> right? <laughs> the timing, <laughs> it's always the timing, right? Because the Lord sees us. He knows the 30,000 foot view and I'm sitting down here at six foot view, roughly, maybe a few inches shorter, you know, um, wherever my eyeballs are in that six foot, <laughs> looking around going, yeah, this is it. This is the time. When we both graduated from Rama, I had opportunity. We were offered uh, the potential to move to Michigan. To She would be in ministry. Heidi would have been in ministry with me. I would have been hired as the youth pastor full-time in a large church where everything was ready to go. All I had to do was just walk in and start doing it. And the Lord said, no. And I'm like, no, Lord, you're the one. You ever do this with the Lord? It's probably just me. We'll just use me as an example. 
you know, it's, I think to myself, Lord, you, you gave me dreams, visions of me preaching. Not like, not like I ate pizza dreams. Like God visited me. I didn't even know how to explain it. I didn't even understand it. But I knew it was God. And I could, I could say, I have all this, you know, uh, evidence, Lord, to what you want me to do. And he's saying, yes, Sean, but... I need to do some things with you personally first. So you're going to go work construction. Well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. I mean, I, I was like, so, but how many know you can do something that you don't want to do with a good attitude? So mostly, I think I had a good attitude. I'll just put it this way. I passed. And if I go by current grades, it was probably a D, hopefully plus. <laughs> I got passed, you know what I mean? It wasn't an F. And then after time of being there and learning and growing and, and developing and uh, getting some opportunities to minister and stuff like that, and the longer you go, you, you minister less like your favorite preachers and mimicking them, and you, you try to become what you're supposed to be. Everybody should have mentors, okay? Everybody should have somebody that they're looking to that's out ahead of them uh, in the spiritual de- excuse me, development process. But in the process then over time, I was, uh, the Lord said, okay, now I'm going to let you be a youth pastor. And I thought, I don't want to do that. We go back to the same spot, you know what I mean, that we started before. Lord, I don't want to do that. Okay, yeah, I'll do it. So the Lord knows that I won't tell him no. Now, I may, you know, lay on the floor and go, I don't want to do that <laughs> for a little bit, you know, in my prayer closet. <laughs> I just, it must be amusing to the Lord. He probably goes, hey, Jesus, look at and they're probably going, oh, my goodness. He'll, he'll run out of steam. <laughs> so eventually I did. And then I thought, oh, this is it. This is the moment. We're going into full-time ministry. We finally made it. I'm going to get paid to preach. I no longer have to beg people to let me preach. They're actually going to pay me and give me a time every week. Oh, and then you get in the reality. Woo-wee. Boy, did I get an education. And it wasn't anybody's fault at the ministry. It was mine. They put up with me. It's true. And then it's like, okay, we've, we've gone. And, and through that whole process, the Lord really brought me to a, a greater place of death in me so that there could be a greater place of life. And that's character. So I loved ceramics in high school. Art, I liked art, anything art. I took so many art classes and it wasn't because it was easier to get a better grade. You know, like, I gotta have an elective so this will be easy. I mean, how hard can it be, right? I'm actually pretty decent at art, not lying. I, well, and, uh, this is not bragging on me. This is just something God put in me. I won second place in an art show at West High. Yeah, not like, 
you know, my class wasn't 12 people. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, I know they can only draw stick figures. That guy's really good, so I'll probably get second place, you know what I mean? No, I actually won with the drawing that I did, um, and I took all art classes. Well, in, I love ceramics. Now, I screwed up, I screwed it up. I took all four, I think we had ceramics one through four, and I took all four of them, okay? And uh, we, you know, we learned everything. You know, you have the kilns and everything in the, in the uh, school, so you fire the pots when they're, before you glaze them, and then you fire them again after you glaze them, all that stuff. Well, that's how the Lord tests us. Now, the first firing in, a, in, the, in making a pot is important, but that's not the first test. That's just the heat test. The first tests are actually in the kneading of that clay. Because if there's any air pocket in that clay, when it goes to the kiln, it'll pop and break. And so we would always, you know, you'd open up the kiln after it was done, and you'd look in there, and if there was broken stuff, what do you know? It didn't, it didn't pass the test. Does that mean you don't ever try again? No. It just means you fix that air, air pocket. We, we were so concerned about the air pockets. You'd need that dough and need that dough and need that dough. Or dough. Clay. <laughs> Somebody help me here. All right. Clay, that clay over and over and over and over. And then we'd actually take, my wife's laughing at me pretty hard. That's good. <laughs> we have a lot of fun together sometimes. We're saying the wrong thing. The other day she asked me, Sean, did you paint behind the wall? And I'm like, I'm like trying to figure it out. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> she meant behind the door. Behind the door. Did you paint behind the wall? No. <laughs> she meant behind the door. Anyway, so it's just an accident, that's all. It's like kneading dough versus clay, right? Okay, so clay, you're kneading, and then you take a uh, uh, like fishing line, and you actually run it through that clay, looking for air pockets, making sure there's nothing in there. And then once you've gone through that process, then you take it to the wheel, and then you start shaping it. You know what you do to put it on that wheel? You throw that thing down and it hits that wheel, boom. That's why you feel like you do right now. Because <laughs> the Lord is the potter. Now, thankfully, he doesn't try to dry shape you. So when you're on that wheel, and you have that wheel going, and hopefully you have an electric wheel, not a kick one. They made us use the kick ones. Just, I think they did that to get energy out of us. So we'd run out of steam. But you, you have an electric wheel, and then it's got this basin around it that comes up a little bit around that, that, that wheel in the middle. And then you have water with a sponge. And you have most of the shaping tools are these. But you do have other shaping tools as well. And you get that clay wet, and you just begin to shape it and mold it. And, and depending on where we are in the process... 
we could actually be starting to take on the shape of what could be set up for display. But you may, especially in the spiritual growth process, you may just be still looking like kind of a lump. You know, and if you picture yourself as the lump, okay, so all these memories are coming back to me. Thank you, Lord. So you had to get on that, especially if you have an electric wheel, you got to get on that, that clay because it's not shaped perfectly round. It's not smooth yet. So you put that water on there, Holy Ghost, and then God's hand comes in. And you have one side and you're pushing on another and you begin to shape that thing. But when you first put your hands on there, guess what happens? And that's what God's doing with us because we're going, <laughs> I don't want to do this. And the Lord's like, you'll thank me later. <laughs> and that is true. You'll thank me later, you know, and then he shapes everything out and then you start and you can get, I mean, I've seen, I, I mean, it's awesome to watch the shaping process. I like to do it because I like to control it, right? And you, you're deciding how that thing's going to look. And you have a hand on the inside, oh, glory to God. And you have a hand on the outside. When you're shaping that thing, that pot, whatever it is, it's going to be a bowl, a dish, a vase, whatever it's going to be. You know, um, and you begin to shape, and that shaping takes place. And then it's put it, and you think, look at me. I look like Jesus. You know, I've been shaped like Jesus. And then he's like, yes, now let's put you in the desert. I don't want to go to the desert. Well, it's called Kiln Desert. <laughs> and then he fires you. And you make it through that test, and you're like, whoo, I didn't break. And then he brings you out, and he's like, okay, now we're going to glaze you. And the glazing process is kind of nice. You're just getting dipped, right? You're getting the, the, the fancy stuff put on, but then what happens? back into the fire. And then he will take you out. And that's where, that's actually the name of this study, the Bible study that we have in the mornings, Vessels of Honor. It's actually a verse. We're to be vessels unto honor. So in the process of that, what the Lord does is, depending on where we are, in the growth process, and I'm going to say this, and I don't mean this mean, it's just true. The reality is the length of time saved is not an accurate assessment of spiritual maturity. Well, I should say it this way. It's not an absolute assessment of spiritual maturity. The measurement is not, it is affected by time, but that's not the main standard. The main standard is who? Christ. We're to grow to the measure of the stature of Christ. Now, the wonderful thing about grace and where we're at right now, it's a little bit different, obviously, than the children of Israel coming out of Egypt going into Canaan land, right? Because we actually function under a lot more, uh, there's a lot more ability of God to be able to not only repair what we've messed up, but then also grow us in, in quicker time if we'll cooperate. 
Now, I'm not saying you, you, you can all, you can like, you know, I don't want to leave the impression that like, you, you know, you, you really seek the Lord and then, uh, you know, it's, it's been 30 years or whatever and, and you can just stop because you've reached it. That's never going to happen here. Not on this side. I mean, unless the rapture happens, okay? Now, I don't know what that looks like, but I will say it like this, spiritual maturity or engaging with the Lord and pursuing him can never end because our minds have to be renewed and our bodies are still sin-natured. So until you have a glorified body and your, and your surroundings are completely godly, you're always going to have to do with, deal with your mind, or we will, and then we'll always have to deal with our physical bodies. How many of you know that a glorified body is easier to handle? Because you don't have anything fighting you. You don't have anything fighting against you. Right now, you got something fighting against you. It's called the flesh. Now, don't get discouraged and disappointed and go, oh, my God, this is so, no, the Lord's not, he empowers us, right? It doesn't matter where we're at, but we need to, I need to understand honestly where I'm at and then go, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? And then just remember that you're going to feel like somebody's taking fishing line and driving it through you back and forth, or that you're going, you know, needing, and it's like, Lord, what are you doing? And he'll make you, well, he won't make you. He'll participate with you to the degree of my submission, right? Our submission to him. He'll participate in the process of spiritual development. And many times, mark it down, your flesh will not like it 99.99999% of the time. In other words, you're going to be, God's going to ask you to do something, and you're going to go, I don't want to do that. And he's, he, he will say, okay, he's not going to make me obey. He'll go, okay, do you want to or not? Let me know. Now, you're saved, child of God, but do you want to walk how I walked with my father when I was on earth? Do you want to walk in the fullness of what I've purchased for you in Christ? Do you want to walk in that fullness of what I've done for you? Well, Lord, because you know, we'll look at the blessings. We'll go, Lord, I want these things. Okay, let's deal with you. Well, no, Lord, I just want them. Okay, all right. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your... Bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Is it reasonable to do that? Why is it reasonable? Because he presented his body. That's why it's reasonable. So this is why the standard can be set like it is. God's not asking us to do that, anything that Jesus didn't already do. That's why he can set the mark and not change it. Now, if he never did it, now he could have asked that without him doing it because he's God, but because he's an example setter. He doesn't just give you information. He walks out and shows you that this is the reality and then says, look, I love you so much. I'm going to show you how to do this um, in advance so that you know that I love you. I'm not going to just tell you that I love you. I, you know that I love you. So this is not unreasonable for Jesus to ask of us or the Father to ask of us because Jesus has already performed this. 
to the point that he shed his own blood. That's why Hebrews can say, have you resisted sin unto bloodshed? Do you see that? He can ask it. Now that is really, how many think that, that Jesus' emotions and flesh were just like, man, I'm in the will of God during the crucifixion process. Well, the Lord's not asking me to hang on a cross. No, he's not in that sense. In other words, the Lord's not asking you to pay the penalty of the sin of the entire creation. But he is asking you to embrace the cross. My cross, right? Not salvation cross in the sense of I can't pay for the sin of humanity or for my own sins. But I can put my flesh to death. Amen? Okay, verse 2, it'll, it's right here. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see three wills? Good, acceptable. Now, perfect doesn't mean flawless. It means mature. We should be somewhere in that process as far as the will of God concerning our lives. Does that make sense? So I should be somewhere in that process. I am heading toward, like Paul said, I've completed my course. I've finished my race. How did he know? How many believers have you heard say that at the end of their lives? See, this bugs me. That's the reason why I'm asking you. <laughs> I mean, I, I can maybe think of a few. But they know they finished what God ordained from them from the foundation of the world. Now, here's my thing. Again, this isn't condemnation. I know it's sobering, but... You know, you get into the word and you start seeing things and you go, oh, I am nowhere near that. And the Lord's like, I know, come on, let's go. When you begin to think about that and look at that, a lot of times what will happen is most people will just go, it's too hard, and they'll throw up their hands. And unbelief settles in. Doubt, fear, insecurity, how many here feel like in your natural that you just have everything you need to fulfill everything God wants to do in your life? I mean, God has not asked me or you to do anything where you didn't go, uh, but I, <laughs> we shouldn't say this, but I've said this, I can't do that. And he's like, I know. That's how you know you're in my plan, Sean. Oh. Yeah, I, you know, if the Lord would have said, you know, uh, Sean, I want you to be an artist. Well, I would at least have, you know, some, some like, you know, uh, uh, some confidence in myself to a degree, right? Because, you know, I took second place in an art show at West High. <laughs> but he didn't say that. 
I want you to, I want you to, and so he does this to where as we walk with the Lord, like if you could look at it like this and, and imagine it this way, think about it this way. The good is being born again. The acceptable is, man, you're starting to develop spiritually yourself. You're maturing in your individual relationship with the Lord. And then as you, as you begin to move from that acceptable place into that perfect place with him, now you understand that none of this is based on, um, it doesn't determine your eternity. You got saved by grace through faith. That's it, right? And then from there, we choose the level of obedience we walk in. Now, there are rewards to that, walking in those levels of obedience, right? We know that from 1 Corinthians, that we, we will stand at the Bema, we'll stand at the, the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment. We'll never see that throne. You say, why? Because we're going to heaven, it's already settled. Jesus, is, our name's already written down. I mean, if you're born again. My name's already written down. It's in there. And how is it in there? Not based on my performance, based on Jesus' performance. But as I begin to walk out the will of God for my life, it demands something of me, but not something of me without empowerment from God to do. So in other words, God's not asking me or you to do anything that he doesn't provide the anointing, the grace, the ability, his ability for us to do it. But there is one faculty within us that God will never touch. It's called free will. He will never touch it. He will influence it. But he will never grab it and go, you're going to do this. He won't. He'll let you choose. That's why mercy and grace and all of those things and the supply of the Spirit are so important for us to understand because there comes a moment where we're going to go, okay, are we or aren't we? And you know what the Lord does? I've learned this about him. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. I've learned this about him. And we'll probably go back here again. I've learned this about him, and I've learned to uh, let people be here <laughs> in this place that I'm about to show you. I've learned this about the Lord. He will talk to you and tell you, and then he'll wait. He'll wait. He'll go, you choose. Now, people don't want this. I'm talking about humanity. Our humanity doesn't want this. This is why heathens have looked at me, atheists have looked at me and said, well, if God's really good, he'd just make me do what I'm supposed to do. No, that would be the very thing you think is bad, which is dictatorship. God's goodness, because he's good, he gives us free will. So I can choose to engage him or I can choose to engage my hobby above him. Amen. Is God against the hobby? Does God, is God like, no, you can't have any fun. I saved you and your fun days are over, buddy. 
<laughs> well, then I should quit doing, having so much fun because I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> Even in the midst of everything I'm doing. Right? So, and, and you should be in the midst of everything you're doing. But I'm not talking about carnal fun. I'm talking about spirit fun. Like if, if your kids are in sports, you shouldn't be there like, you know, just turning off your Christianity. If you look just like everybody else in the stands when your kids are in sports and they're not saved, problem. You're not living out the gospel. Well, I, if you have to do what the world does to have joy or to feel to fit in, you, you're, you got growing to do. You should be there as a light, right? If, if, you, if, you're, if you've made a decision with your family to, to do certain things with your kids and you you're want them to participate in, in all the things that are available that God's blessed us with, right? And you're there, but you're not a light, you don't even bring up Christianity. You don't even bring up your faith. You know? Then something's wrong, right? Then you're participating within what God's blessed you with, but giving him no credit. I don't care if it's on your shirt. I don't care if you wear a Jesus pin. I don't care if you just smile all the time and your kid just lost like 12 matches in a row. You're like, yeah, I'm good. And you're encouraging your kid, don't worry about it. Jesus is in you. Now, you don't have to do it the way I would do it, right? But that should be in our language. It should be a part of us. But God won't override that. He'll give you free will. Watch this, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now, as he was going on the road, one came running, came running, came what? Running and knelt before him. Do you think this guy has passion about serving Jesus? How did you answer the altar call? Did you come running and slide into the altar on your knees? I mean, we, as a minister, we would look at that and go, God really moved. But we all know where this is going. He knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Verse 18. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. I'm not going to go into the detail of that um, because there is some explanation, but I may hit it next week, maybe. Okay, verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. He's doing pretty good, isn't he? Then Jesus looking at him and looked at him, or looking at him, what did he do? What did Jesus do? He what? He what? He what? He loved him. Now we know this is true, right? We would never question this. Why is that in there? Why do we have to add that? Okay, well, something to think about. I'll, I'll leave you. I'll leave you with it. And said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and take up your cross and follow me. What did Jesus want? 
the one thing he didn't want to give up. Now, I'm going to finish right here because I only have a few minutes. Verse 22, I want to read this before I comment. But he was at, whose word is it? Watch now. And went away for he had. And Jesus in the next verse, wait, 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 wait. Let me tell you about the prosperity message. No. He did not. You want to know why? No sense in talking about prosperity if he doesn't have his heart first. And Jesus does go on to talk about the prosperity message, which I'm not going to get into, but because I just don't have time. But do you see that the Lord will not override? Now, I got questions. Where is that guy? Is he in heaven? If I go by what was recorded, nope. And it wasn't because he had money. It was his heart. But what did Jesus not do? He didn't force him to do the right thing. Do you see it? Which word do I read in there that makes me sad? Which one? Which one makes me sad? That might be the area I need to repent. Well, I know I'm saved. Yeah, I know that. I'm not saying you're not saved. Some of you are like, are you sure, preacher? <laughs> I'm really sure that if you've received Christ, you're born again. Which word makes me sad? Which one do I think is unfair? When I look into this mirror and I go, oof. I don't like that. Turn the mirror over. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Ooh, no, I don't like that one. Oh, yeah, I look good in that one. Woo! Oh, and we have one minute to meditate on this. Ah. Sometimes I go shopping for clothes when I have to. <laughs> Only when I have to. <clears throat> and I'll go with Heidi and obviously because I can't pick out my own clothes. It's true. I can't. <laughs> I mean, anyway, okay, I won't go down that path. It, it would have been funny, okay. Who's got a meeting today? Ushers and hospitality in the kitchen. Okay, I'll end with this. So we go, and I put on clothes, and I stand in front of a, and, we, and Heidi and I look at it and go, meh, or you shouldn't be so chubby. <laughs> I'm just, sorry. I just, I find things so funny. <laughs> Even if it's about me, I just do. I don't know. Anyway, so... Whatever it is, 
But when I look at this, I can't do that. I can't look at this and go, no, I'm not wearing that. I don't like the way I look in that. It doesn't matter what I think. My opinion doesn't matter when it comes to this mirror. I have to put this on. What would the rich young ruler would have gotten? Do you think he would have been more satisfied walking with Jesus? And the prosperity or the money issue would have come back. Father, we thank you for your word. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.